Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When Jesus died on the cross, Three days later, remember, he rose again from the grave. He rose again, defeating death and hell. And then he was seen by over 500 people for 40 days on the earth in Jerusalem. And then on that 40th day, he ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. But he told his disciples, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And it was prophesied by Joel and others that the Spirit of God would be poured out. And they waited in that upper room. And it was on the day of Pentecost, this very feast that we're looking at right now. Feast of Weeks commemorates the coming of the Holy Spirit. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study into God's review of the feasts to be celebrated by the Jewish nation. The Feast of Weeks is synonymous with the Christian holiday of Pentecost, which is celebrated as a remembrance of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon Christ believers and the beginning of the church. By reviewing these feasts in the Old Testament, we can see how Jesus is proclaimed, and in the New Testament, Jesus is explained. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's teaching. And you know, as we look at these three feasts this evening, and we've again, we've already looked at Passover last week, there, there seems to be, especially this one, the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, This feast seems to not have a clear historical context like the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, I say that with an asterisk. (laughs) Because, remember, the the Feast of, of Passover was in the past as he was writing this and sharing this with the people, they remember back in, 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 in Egypt when they went through the Passover. And certainly we know that the Passover was not only something that happened then, but it was also a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And so, and then we're going to look at the Feast of Tabernacles here shortly, and, and that has a, a, there's a, it's done in memory as well. There's more to it than this, but one of the things that God would have them celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for is to show how his provision for them through the wilderness, how good it was, and how he provided for their every need and shelter and food and everything else. And the Feast of Tabernacles was exactly that. They would build shelters for themselves, and they still do it to this day in modern Israel. They build these little shacks on top of the roofs of their house with palm fronds. Of course, they use plywood and all kinds of funny, you know, fancier things now. But again, that feast was significant of, and it was done in memorial for what had happened in the past. God's faithfulness. But here in the Feast of Weeks, this Pentecost, as we would call it, 
there's really nothing in the, in the past of their history that really relates to this. It certainly points toward we know that future to this time that he was talking to them, it would certainly speak of and foreshadow the day of Pentecost when the church would be born in Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But there is one Jewish tradition that could be a memorial for this or, or could commemorate this feast. And it's, it's, in Levitic, or I'm sorry, it's in Exodus chapter 32. And if you remember, it was the time that God gave the law to Moses. Do you remember that time when they, they were only a few months out of Egypt? And remember, God called Moses to go up to the top of the mountain. And there he is. And he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the children of Israel started to get a little concerned. Where is our leader? Where did he go? And because they lived in pagan Egypt, they're thinking, well, he probably got ate by a lion or something, but let's, let's, let's move on here. And so remember, the pressure was put on Aaron, Moses' brother, older brother, to make them a calf, a molten calf. And you remember that when Moses came down from the mountain, when he finally came down, he had the, t- the, the two stone tablets of the, 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 the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone that God engraved personally with his own finger. And he brought them down the mountain, and he saw what was going on, and he, he dropped the tablets and broke them. And it wasn't long after that that 3,000 people were killed because of their disobedience to God. God allowed that to happen. And, you know, we live in a, in a very politically correct culture where anything like this just sends a cringe down the spine of most people. But we have to understand that God is serious. He's serious. And because of the, the, the wicked things that have happened in our country and in the world, it's because we've lost sight of this. We've lost sight. We have no fear anymore of God. We have no fear of authority. And when we lose the fear of God and we lose the fear of authority, we have opened up Pandora's box, and now everything goes. We see it in our schools. It's a horrible thing what they, what's happening now. I just heard, I read an article about this, this young girl. She was, um, I think, 11 years old and was raped by a man, raped by a young boy because he, he felt that he was uh, of a different gender, and so they allowed him to go into the same bathroom, and the young lady gets raped. And this is his second offense. This is happening all the time now. What craziness has come upon this country Some people say, well, God's going to judge the country for all this stuff. You know what? This is the judgment of God. When we allow this kind of nonsense in our lives, and we don't stand up and say something about it, we don't have to pound down doors, we don't have to hold up pickets, we don't have to carry guns and start shooting people, okay? God doesn't call us to do that. But we do, we ought to pray. We ought to pray. And when there is an opportunity for us to go into a, a board meeting of the town and discuss these things, where are we? Busy. And yet the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. And God is calling us. We are the only light. Do you realize that? Jesus is the light. But remember what he told his disciples? He says, now you are the light of the world. And we are to go out, not in legalism, not bashing people over the head with the Bible, not yelling on street corners and calling people all kinds of names. No, that's not our God. God is love. He is a loving God. You win them by your love. 
You live them by that. You love. You love them by telling them the truth in love, and that's the way it's. That's the way it's done. We don't have to. God doesn't call us to hurt anybody. If they're going to get hurt by the truth, let their pride be hurt. Because if you're like me, when I first gave my heart to Christ when I was 24 years old, I was pretty bruised because I thought I was okay. <laughs> but God says you're not okay, Rob. You're in deep sin. And I was, and I knew it. And if I'd have died that day, I would not be going to heaven. But now, thank God, by his grace, he has birthed his spirit inside of me, and I know I'm born again. And that, born, that word born again, as you know, is not just some kind of weird thing. You can read about it in John chapter 3. Jesus told a very religious man, Nicodemus, you're a Pharisee. You're one of the upper echelon in the priest, in, in, in the... In the authority of Israel. You're, you're one of the big shots. But you have to be born again, Nicodemus. Being religious is not good enough. Being a good person is not good enough. It's not good enough. Because you can be a very good person, and then you can do all the right things and be better than some, and not as bad as some. But that's not the standard. The standard is God's righteous, holy character. And the only way that we can get that righteousness is by faith believing in the one who paid the price to give us that robe of righteousness. That's what the Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. We believe in him, and when we do, the Spirit of God comes into us, and we are a new creature. I remember that day when I got saved. What a glorious day that was. It really was. I fell on my face and when I was convicted of my sin, and I fell on my face and I cried like a baby for hours. God had saved me radically and convinced me of my sin. And in my complete decrepitness, I cry out to him and he lifted it. And part of the reason I was crying so hard is I realized how unworthy I was for this to be happening. To be finally free from my sin, all my sins, have you had that experience? Have you had the Spirit of God convict you and to say, Lord, I give it up? <laughs> I believe what you have done. I believe what I've heard all my life. You, 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 I've heard all my life that you are the Savior, that you are God in the flesh. Only you could die for my sin. And finally, when I really grasped it, and, and, and a miracle of miracles, he illuminated my heart. I didn't even try. It wasn't like I, one day I was like, I'm going to be a Christian. No, he zapped me right in the middle of my sin. I was going in one direction, and I didn't even know it. And someone came along and told me the truth and love, and I tell you, it stopped me dead in my tracks. I fell to my knees and cried like a baby, realizing the price that was paid, realizing my sin. And I tell you what, there's no going back after that. My life has been the most blessed life. I am so blessed, so encouraged, so happy, if I can even use that term, but 3,000 people that day when Moses came down, they died as a result of their rebellion. And then you notice what happened. Remember, as we fast forward in this Feast of Weeks, this what we would call Pentecost, we read about it in Acts chapter 2. We're not going to go there, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the disciples were waiting there in the upper room. Remember, after Jesus died on the cross, just from your perspective looking up at me, the timeline here, when Jesus died on the cross, three days later, remember, he rose again from the grave. He rose again, defeating death and hell. And then he was seen 
by over 500 people for 40 days on the earth in Jerusalem. And then on that 40th day, he ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, but he told his disciples, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And it was prophesied by Joel and others that the Spirit of God would be poured out. And they waited in that upper room, and it was on the day of Pentecost, this very feast that we're looking at right now. But the Spirit of God, remember, it says that the sound of a rushing wind, not a rushing wind itself, but the sound of it filled the room, and little cloven tongues of fire were on each of their heads. The Spirit of God poured out on them. They were already believers, but now they needed to be empowered because now they had to go out into a world that would reject. They rejected their Savior. They're certainly going to reject you. So they needed a power from on high to go out and be bold in their witness, to be lovingly bold, and also to be empowered to be able to speak in different languages. Remember, at that time, there were many people, many Jews from different areas who spoke different languages. And remember their testimony. We hear them speaking, these Jews who are unlearned, they're now telling us in our own languages the wonderful works of God. That was a spiritual enablement. That wasn't something they went to school to learn, or they didn't download the Biblia, or the, what's that word, uh, Babel um, app on their iPhone. <laughs> they didn't download the Babel app and decide, well, what is it? how do I say Jesus loves you in uh, um, you know, Cyrenian? And they spoke the wonderful works of God in their own languages. And, and 3,000 souls, it says. Notice the difference? When the law came down, 3,000 killed. When the Spirit came down on the, on the same day of Pentecost, what happens? 3,000, literally, you can look it up for yourself, Acts 2.41 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. Now this church, this, this body of believers, which includes Gentiles and Jews and Gentiles, doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Whatever you are, you believe in Christ, you become part of the church. You become part of the church. There's no enrollment there's no handing in your pay stub to make sure that you're giving correctly. <laughs> Can you believe that? Some fellowships will do that. You know, I want to see your pay stub. Make sure you're giving 10%. Are you, are you kidding me? Is that what it's come to? Is that what we do in church? Is it all just about the money or is it about encouragement for your soul and the building up of your faith? If that's what it's about, then let it be. You know, I'm, I'm convinced and it's been that way in this fellowship. We haven't had to really worry about those kind of things. Because we don't really talk about them unless the Word of God brings them up, and then we have to get into it. But you know what? We don't beg. We don't ask people for money. It's not about the money. But notice, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this. Paul, speaking to the Corinthian believers, he said, Who, that Jesus, he made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Doesn't that sum up what we just looked at? Because in Exodus 32, verse 28, 3,000 people were killed as a result of their disobedience when the law came down. And then on the same day, on the day of Pentecost, on this Feast of Weeks, in Acts 2, 41, 3,000 souls were added. Is that a coincidence? That's what I call a God incidence. <laughs> I love that, God incidence. Nothing happens by surprise to God. It happens by surprise to us, but God is not surprised. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to look at a few things here. 
Because Leviticus chapter 23 really goes into these, diff- these seven different feasts of Israel. And again, we're not going to go through all seven of them. We're only going to look at just four of them, or three of them, actually. We already looked at the Passover and unleavened bread. Just so you know, a lot of times when the Bible speaks of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, one thing you have to remember, and especially if you're looking at uh, Exodus chapter 23, you'll notice if you've got a new King James Version Bible, there's a heading right above verse 4 that says the Passover and Unleavened Bread. A lot of times those terms are used interchangeably because they're, the, 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 these two feasts are literally linked together because first there's the Passover, the killing of the lamb, and the eating of the herbs and the, and, and the, um, the unleavened bread because remember that night when they were leaving Egypt, they didn't have time to let the bread rise, so they had to use, un, they had to use it without yeast. So the, it was unleavened bread. And they had to eat it quickly in haste because they had to leave town. They had to leave Egypt. So there's the, the Passover on one day, and the very next day started the, un, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we can read about that, and you can read about that in uh, Leviticus 23 here, beginning in verse 4. But we're going to be looking at verse 9, the Feast of first fruits. Let me read it to you. It says, And you shall count for yourselves. And again, this is just a little bit more information, because remember when we were in Deuteronomy chapter 16, it was a review. And so now we're looking at the original record given a while ago before Moses was sharing this with these people. He says, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, the Sabbath is on a Saturday, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed, and count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord, a new grain offering. And it's interesting, the prophetic significance of this idea of the new grain. They were to give this new grain. And if you think of it, this is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. That day that the Spirit of God was poured out, a new thing happened. The Spirit of God poured out upon his people. And why? Because we need it. We can't live without the Spirit of God. Sir, you you can live a life. You can live a life and just kind of go through the motions. And then you get to an age when you start looking back and you're like, you know what, my life has just been about getting married, having kids, putting them through college, me retiring, now my health's starting to fail. Eventually I'm going to be, my health is going to fail and my medical bills are going to mount, and then I'm going to end up in a nursing home somewhere, and then finally I'm just going to fade off in the scenes, and then my kids are going to fight over the inheritance. Is that really what life is all about? No, it's not. But the significance of this new grain, because the church was birthed on this day of, of, of Pentecost. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Isn't that true? When you look at a grain of wheat, unless that grain of wheat falls to the ground, and unless it, is, it, it decomposes and gets into the ground, if it doesn't do that, then it just abides alone. There's no, there's no more ears of wheat coming up. But if that, that wheat, that grain, falls into the earth and goes into the earth, it bears fruit. And out of that fruit comes life. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He said, on that day 
when I would be risen from the grave. The kernel of wheat was me. I went into the ground for three days. I was buried for three days. But on the third day, I rose. And Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection and the firstborn from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20, it says this, But now Christ, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, those who have died. For since by man came death, meaning Adam, since man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in its own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Remember we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when Jesus comes back and he, he's in the clouds. He, we meet him in the clouds. It's called the rapture of the church. He is in the clouds. We, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that the, the dead in Christ, those who have died in faith, are going to be resurrected. They are going to meet the Lord. They are going to be received. They're going to receive a new body, one that can withstand eternity. This thing is not going to last long. This flesh is only going to last 80, maybe 90 years if I'm fortunate. And if I'm doing really well, maybe 100. But then it perishes. But we need a body that's outfitted for heaven, one that does not perish. And that's the body that we receive at the coming of Christ in the clouds. It says the dead in Christ will rise, they will be resurrected, and they will precede us. They will go up first. In the twinkling of an eye, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen like that. The dead in Christ rise, and then we which are alive and remain, who are believers in Christ, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be walking down the street one day. I don't know where I'm going to be, but can you imagine? Walking down the street and all of a sudden you hear the trump of God and all of a sudden your body becomes this mortal puts on immortality. This body is changed in the twinkling of an eye in front of, in front of people. Can you imagine the day? Sounds like some kind of Star Trek thing. I often wonder if Star Trek got the idea, if somebody read the Bible. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> but it's going to happen. The church removed from the earth. And then we know what happens after that, but we don't have time for that. So, back in Leviticus chapter 17 here, in verse, or chapter 23, verse 17, it says, You shall bring them from your dwellings two wave loaves of two tenths of an ephah. Now, these are measurings. You know, you and I would say cups or, or, or pounds. It, it, these are measurements that God is, is speaking of. Two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. An ephah is a measurement. That's what they would use to measure, like we would use a measuring spoon or, a, or a, some kind of measuring device. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. Notice that. Leaven in the Bible always speaks of sin. And they are the first fruits to the Lord. And you look at even in this feast of the, of the Feast of Weeks, and we look at this verse that we just read. What does that speak of when we think of the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks is the day of Pentecost, and that happened nearly 2,000 years ago now. But to the readers of this, they were still looking forward to it. This, these two different wave loaves, these two different loaves made of leaven. What does that speak of? It speaks of the Jews and the Gentiles together as one, making up the church, Right? 
They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven because we, are, we have sin in us. Jesus had no sin in him. He was born sinless. That's why only he was qualified to pay the price for my and your sin. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.